I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, we talk about how the Lord is calling us to live our faith in our families, no matter what vocation or season of life we are in. I heard a crazy story this week. There's actually a penguin in South America that built its own house. Yeah, you know how it did it? It glued it together. It glued. It glued it. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 79. Speaking of penguin homes, we're going to talk about our own homes on this episode. But before we do that, let us do our peak pit and plug. Uh, My peak of the week is I had a little bit of an experiment, I guess you could say, with uh, self-awareness and humility. I've been reading this book, uh, I just finished the book, Chasing Humility by Joel Stepanek. Highly recommend it. Um, And it had been encouraging me to think about and dive into something I've been thinking about for a while, which is just why I don't have more meaningful or better friendships and relationships, and that I'm the common denominator, and maybe there's something that I'm doing that um, makes people feel like I don't need them or comes off like weird or has a bad vibe or whatever, you know? So I just, I posed a question to some people directly and collectively on Instagram, um, which some people thought I was crazy for doing, but that's okay. Um, And the question was, what about me annoys you or frustrates you? And it was very illuminating and a lot of things uh, came to light that made a lot of sense and they were uh, very related to one another. So I was very appreciative of that feedback and criticism and um, didn't see it really as negative at all because it was something I really wanted to know. And the people, uh, for the most part, who replied are people who I genuinely know and see a lot and who I would, you know, really love and value their opinion anyway. And so it was very helpful. So that was a huge peak for me. A pit was today, um, as I'm recording this, um, had to go get a CT scan because of some ongoing symptoms and pains that I'm having that have yet to be diagnosed. Hopefully they are just stress, but still need to find a way to manage them. But prayers for that and uh, results will be in next week. So I'm sure you'll hear on the next episode how all that went. But my plug for the week is I want to plug two organizations, uh, one of which inspired uh, the uh, direct kind of uh, content for this episode. Uh, I think I may have mentioned them before, but um, friends of mine, friends of the podcast, Faith and Family Collective and Faith and Family Life Catholic Ministries. Uh, You want to check them out, you can go to www.faithandfamilycollective.com and um, fflcm.org. That stands for Faith and Family Life Catholic Ministries. And so um, the two of those organizations are coordinated in some piece or collectively by um, my spiritual director, Father Tim Donovan, and uh, Pam and Jillian Hurwitz, a mother-daughter team. Jillian was a youth minister, uh, and so was Pam, actually, um, in Orange County and Southern California. Um, but um, they have uh, wanted to dive into these nonprofit avenues for providing resources for families to do, um, or for parishes, rather, to do family-centered faith formation. And so they started a blog on the Faith and Family Collective page. I encourage you to go check it out. Um And I was reading, I think it was their first post on there, and in it was a passage from Proverbs. And the passage says, By wisdom a home is made, 
and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. That's Proverbs 24, verses 3 through 4. And it just really instilled in me uh, and inspired within me the desire to talk about faith and family because I, I come from this from two different angles. As a son, I feel very um, like I, I, I somehow retained my faith and, and no one else really in my family uh, remains an active Catholic, at least that I'm aware of. And that goes into my extended family. Uh, my mom, one of seven, my dad, one of four. Um, all of the cousins, aunts, uncles. Um, I'm the only one I'm aware of, even though Catholic school and education was a part of a lot of their uh, lives growing up. And so um, that is something I've always found very difficult, is talking about faith in the home and practicing faith in the home from that angle. And so if you're a young adult, if you're someone who's living at home, if you're someone who's um, living the single life or you're dating, but you still like, you know, you don't necessarily have the vocation of family yet, maybe being married, or if that is even isn't the vocation that you're called to, um, you have some group that you call family. And so that's what I want you to be thinking about when we talk about this episode. So even though I may be talking from the perspective now of being a dad, and that has been a radically different approach to faith, that it's very ingrained into a lot of what we do, if not everything that we do with our family, um, that uh, some of those things may not apply to you, and that's okay. I want you to be thinking about your particular context, because God is calling you in this time and place, in this moment in salvation history, with your unique gifts and talents, to be a faithful Catholic in your family. Whatever position or role you have in that family, whether you are the child, the son or daughter, whether you are the parent, whether you are in a collective group of a quote-unquote family um, that isn't maybe the traditional father-son, you know, uh, or father, what is the word? Mother, father, mother, son, daughter. Um, Wow. Um, you, You know what I mean. So whatever that context is, Jesus desires to help sanctify you and sanctify the others in that group through the context of that family. Um, And so we're going to be talking about faith in the home and how to do that. How do we live that authentically? The Catechism, paragraph 1655, says this, that Christ chose to be born and grow up in the bosom of the holy family of Joseph and Mary. The church is nothing other than the family of God. And then it goes on to say later in that paragraph, when people in the early church were converted, they desired that their whole household should also be saved. Um, That's a reference to a passage in um, Acts 16 and Acts 11. Um, And these families that, uh, it continues in the catechism, these families who became believers were islands of Christian life in an unbelieving world. And that statement right there, islands of Christian life in an unbelieving world, also applies so much to today, I think, which is why it's so hard to be Catholic just in the world, but also why it can be really hard to be Catholic in your family, especially if your family is filled with non-practicing Catholics, nominal Catholics, Catholics just because they were baptized, Catholics who practice and who are you know, ultra-conservative or ultra-liberal in their leanings or, or any combination of that. It can be very messy and difficult to navigate what it looks like to be faithful together. But that is definitely what we're called to do. And this is the context that God wanted to reveal to us the gospel message that God wanted us to come to know him is through the family. If not, why would he himself have done it and designed for us to create life and bring life this way? 
Um, children look to their parents far more than we think that they do. I think, you know, we look at young people today, uh, and I know in youth ministry, there's often this mischaracterization as that, like, parents, you know, like, are, are the problem, or, and I just think that is such a wrong ideology and belief for a youth minister to have, because no one loves a child more than their parents. Even if our definition of what love might look like in the context of raising them in the faith is being played out differently in their home, and we don't even see what happens behind closed doors. We just see what is public or what our assumptions of what we see in public are. And so um, I came across a study, I may have shared this before when we were talking about fasting because that's when I came across it, um, but I was came across a study a while back that said uh, if a child has parents who faithfully practice inside and outside of the home, that there's an 82% chance, and there's a couple studies, I think 79 to 82% chance on average, that their child will also continue practicing for the rest of their life. If neither of them practice their faith, there's less than a 1% chance. So it is about not just what we say as parents, but really what we do that dictates what happens in the lives of our children. But what's interesting about that study is they found that if only the mother practiced their faith in the home and outside of the home, there was only a 3% chance that the child would. And that comes from the fact that children, when we're children, we learn our idea of like self-image and you know comfort and safety and things like that um, from our moms. But we learn our practices, we learn our habits, we learn work ethic, things that we do, rather things that we are, things that we do from our dads. Because men are very task-driven, we're very problem-solving oriented, whereas women are much more conversational, more socially oriented, emotionally intelligent. And so we learn those things from those two parents. There are things that are naturally indicative of those um, sexes, of those genders, and how those roles are played out, and just how we absorb those things from our parents. And so uh, the church calls this you know, reliance that children have and this absorption that children have of learning so many different things from their families. The church uses this ancient expression, uh, talks about this in Catechism 1656, um, calls the family the Ecclesia Domestica, the domestic church. It is in the bosom of the family that parents are, by word and example, the first heralds or witnesses of the faith with regard to their children. So we learn far more than we think we do in the context of our family. But that can also go both ways. You know, as children get older, they can bring that back into the family. But that is more difficult. That is more difficult. The Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, is a model for this. It's a model for relationship for family. And so the family is really the first place where the idea of relationship, connection with God, personal relationship is lived out and experienced for us. And that's meant to continue throughout the rest of our life to be the model. It says in the Catechism 2205, the Christian family is a communion of persons, a sign and image of the communion of the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit. And so just as the father is the beloved, the son, or the father is the lover, excuse me, the son is the beloved, and the Holy Spirit is the love in between them, so also is mirrored in the family, the father is the lover to the wife who's the beloved, and the love for, between them is so strong, it blossoms into the life of a new creation in a child. And that context of family, the more love there is, the more it blossoms. And that is not only a physical, biological truth, that is also a spiritual truth. That when 
spirituality, faith, religion is practiced in the home, especially from a young age, it is absorbed and it just becomes ingrained into the life and the behavior of the family. And so it's very important. So how do we do this? How do we live this out authentically as a family? Now, where whatever context you're in, maybe you are a parent of children who are much older and who aren't practicing the faith anymore, and that is really difficult for you. That breaks your heart, or maybe you feel like you've failed in some way. Or maybe you are a young adult or a high schooler, and your parents don't really practice. Like, you'd like to go to church more, but they won't drive you. Or um, maybe you are somewhere in the middle, and you just find it difficult to talk about the, that thing in the home because you don't know how it will be received. You have maybe differing opinions from family members you spend a lot of time with. Or maybe you are a young family trying to raise children faithfully, and it wasn't done for you, and so you're not really sure how to go about that. And so I would say across the board, uh, the two things that I think are most helpful is invitation and listening. Invitation meaning, you know, find opportunities. There are so many opportunities right now, especially because of COVID, to be able to engage in faith anywhere. You can stream a mass. You can stream a Bible study. You can connect to some kind of uh, faith group or rosary or some type of prayer experience and just simply inviting the family to consider doing that. And granted, they may say no the first however many times. That doesn't mean we stop inviting. And that doesn't mean we don't do it simply because they don't want to do it. But simply by seeing us do it and the fruit that it bears in our life, they may see that as something attractive and appealing. Whereas initially they may think, oh, what does this person want from me? What are they trying to get at? Is this a trick? You know, like we've never done this before. You know, maybe you catch them at a difficult time or a stressful time. And so make sure that you are extending that invitation in a way that it's easy to say yes and that you're following through whether they say yes or no. Uh, and just continue to invite them. Don't pressure. Don't judge if they say no. And just say, hey, I would love if we could do this together. But if you're too busy or you're not comfortable with that, that's okay. I just you know, um, wanted to invite you to do this with me. And then inevitably those invitations will bring up conversations about faith. You know, Maybe even in that moment, like, well, why do you want to do that? We've never done that before. Um, to talk about it, to not be afraid to just say like, well, I'm really exploring how I can grow in my faith. And you were the first people to tell me about that. Um, So, you know, I figured maybe I'd invite you into that. Or um, if children start to question it, like, why are we doing this? We don't do this anymore. To just simply be able to say, well, this is important to us. This is part of who we are. And so, um, you know, what do you notice about this? You know, let's do it and see if you like it and really have start having that conversation, you know, and not be afraid of questions to listen and to seek to understand. So if we're parents of young children, especially if they're getting to the age where they can ask questions, to really just be curious about what they're absorbing and noticing, how they're experiencing it. If we um, are doing this with parents and trying to kind of evangelize upward, to really listen for maybe some of the hurt or misunderstandings and misconceptions they've experienced in their faith. A lot of people in our parents' generation and older, and I'm speaking from my age as 32, um, but of my parents' generation and older, um, have this mentality sometimes that faith is about just like going through the motions or, you know, as long as I go to Mass and do the sacraments, then I'm good. And there's a real disconnect between um, the rigid kind of regimentality of faith versus personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
These are a lot of people who have had a really hard time or even a rebellious vocal time when it comes to practicing their faith in the times of COVID because their whole faith is about the practice of it and not necessarily the relationship that should be underlying all of that. Now, don't get me wrong, as I've said before when I've mentioned this, we need the sacraments. The sacraments give us grace that we can't receive elsewhere, but we are not dependent on them for our very survival or salvation. Um, Even if you're not traditionally baptized, there are other means by which God will extend to you the grace of baptism through blood, through desire. Um, But if you know and you are aware and you are most likely operating already out of the the ability um, that you have from being baptized as a baby, then you really still need to focus on that relationship with Jesus. Sacraments are important. They are incredible covenants and opportunities to be in relationship with God, but They are not the end-all, be-all, especially if they're disconnected from the context of a relationship. So something to keep in mind. Um, What is that personal relationship? Our parents may not have an understanding of what that is. They may feel threatened by it. It may come off very preachy, Protestant-y. And so to listen to their concern and just to express love and a desire to be together doing something that is important to you. Um, This could happen in the context of a family meeting. Uh, This is something that used to happen so much more frequently. I would even see it advertised on TV when I was a kid. More so as like a family game night, but something that was wholesome that you and your family could get together and do once a week to really talk about or do things that were enjoyable, that helped you bond, that helped you have conversations. This is kind of the art or the practice of always having family meals together and how that creates such success and sustainable, healthy family relationships long-term is those families who always eat meals together. Um, Maybe you take some time to sit down and come up with a family mission statement or what are our three family values? What does it mean to be a Zemanek? It means that we are always charitable, generous, and faithful you know and you come up with what are those three words that we really want to define us and then you can have some specific goals disciplines or intentions that are um, associated with those different values and those values can change over time and maybe you write them up on a whiteboard you put them on the refrigerator maybe you have specific goals there and when you do something that day or when you achieve a goal you mark it off so everyone can see it Or maybe you have specific practices, you know, maybe you have like a daily prayer log and you have everyone's name on there. And when someone has prayed, they go over there and they uh, they tick the little box. Or um, if they have prayer intentions, maybe you have a place in your home where prayer intentions can be visibly written. Some people would probably prefer this if they're uncomfortable talking about the faith or even asking for prayer. But if they can wait until no one else is watching, you know, and they can write down hey, pray for this that just happened, and you'll see it in passing, you can then go in your prayer time and pray for the other members of your family. Ways that that can be visual, it can be shared, it stays personal but also moves into the communal because we need both. We need a personal prayer life, a personal relationship with Jesus, but we also need that communal time. One of the best ways for children to learn how to pray is A, that the family actually prays with them, but secondly, that they see their parents having their own personal prayer time. And that it's talked about that, you know, where's daddy? Oh, daddy is having his prayer time. And they understand that's a value of their parents and something that is ingrained in them as a habit that they should also adopt. Because for a long time, children growing up, they want to be just like their parents. And so take advantage of that. 
And if you are older and doing this for your children, be aware of that. Or if you're trying to be in the context of your friend group, your family, whatever your family looks like, um, trying to establish that habit of disciplines together, finding ways you can have a common desire to grow, to be better, and maybe to reach um, certain milestones together. Uh, Another way of incorporating this is to look at those different celebrations, milestones, family gatherings, or events, and just find a way to add a deeper spiritual component to it. Um, Faith and Family Collective has this great box around Thanksgiving that you can do um, where you, uh, I think it's like a gratitude plate. And I think um, they're, they're coming out with this year, I think these grateful placemats where you can write the name of someone on the placemat where they're sitting. And then you can all go around and write something that you're grateful for about that person. And so taking a, a you know, family gathering or a holiday like Thanksgiving and adding this kind of spiritual value gratitude component and making that rise to the surface. Celebrating baptism days or name days, you know, the day of the name of your saint. So uh, my name day would be St. Matthew's feast day because my name is Matthew, but it's different than my baptism day or my confirmation day or something like that. Finding ways to celebrate those things and ingrain or align the spiritual element of your life to the events of ordinary life that are already happening. Um, Ways to do this with young kids, or even uh, even if you're older, but some of these are specifically for young children. Make sure you have a sacred space. Where is there a place in your house that can be devoted to prayer, that can be decorated? Um, and if you don't have one, maybe that's a project you can work on together as a family. If you have young kids, maybe they can color in icons. You can find you know Catholic coloring pages online for free or for very cheap. And they can kind of decorate maybe a corner of their room to be a prayer space, a safe space for them to engage in prayer. Um, Making sure, again, that everyone has individual prayer time, but also communal prayer time. And for young children, in introducing the saints to them as friends or as characters in their life or characters in stories, um, shining light dolls. Uh, are great. My daughter loves them. Uh, we also have all these different saint books, saint matching cards. I mean, and she knows little songs and, you know, can identify saints by just little um, characteristics of them. We have icons hanging on a cross wall uh, and she she knows who they are. And it just becomes part of the characters in her life, you know. So just like she'll watch, you know, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse once a week when we clip her nails so she can be sitting down and calm. Um All the rest of the time, she's consuming the stories of saints, thinking that they're just, you know, this other thing that she's absorbing. Um, The Baltimore Catechism is great for families, especially um, the simplest version. I think it's version one. Uh, It's designed for really young kids. It's just a question and answer. And maybe you sit down at the dinner table and you ask one of the questions and see if the children will answer it. And then you teach them the proper answer. Uh, And they get this back and forth call and response type of dialogue that's centered around the faith. There's four different editions of the Baltimore Catechism, and the most complex one maybe is one that you can journey through if you're all older in your family and really start diving into some of those deeper questions. Songs are great for young children, and they're great if you enjoy music. Everyone likes music, praise and worship music, and there are a lot of uh, wonderful songs um, for children about the faith, and introducing them to some of the rich traditions of you know, more the classical music genre of songs uh, in the faith or even turning things into songs. I can't tell you how many things I've taught my daughter as a song that she's just absorbed like that, that I never would have imagined me just teaching her without singing it. It would have taken so much longer. Um, 
And so like there are a lot of different ways and tactics you can incorporate this into your life if you're raising young kids, um, if you are a young adult living at home, if you um, are just kind of a single person who has a very different uh, definition of family or maybe you're distant from your parents and you want to connect via some rosary or Bible study, but that's just not something that you've done before. I would encourage you just extend the invitation, listen to any, you know, observation, criticism, response, treat it honorably, and then just try and find ways to grow together, to have that time to talk, that time to grow and discuss and incorporate it into the daily life of your family. And so if you have young kids, there's ways to do that in the way they learn stories and songs. If everyone in your home is older, you can use different types of music, um, different things like the Baltimore Catechism, family meetings, um, different goals or ways you can share one another's intentions and really allow that to be a more ingrained part of your life. And so I want to offer you a saint if this is something that you struggle with or would like to grow in. Uh, saint Boniface is the saint um, that really kind of just popped out. I came across a story about him and it really just resonated with this topic and I just kind of paired them up. Um, Boniface was born in around 675 in Devon, which is the uh, southwest tip of modern day England. And he died uh, in 754. He was 79 years old. And he died um, in Frisia, which is like modern-day Netherlands or the northeastern German coast. His feast day is June 5th, very um, uh, special day for me. That was when uh, my best friend AJ died. So it's a very, um, I don't know if special is the right, right word, but significant day in my life. Um, so that is his feast day. He's the patron saint of Germania or the Germanic area because he was called the apostle to the Germans. Now, they're not the traditional Germans that we know, but they were called Germanic tribes, a lot of different tribes of people that lived in this area at the time. And so Boniface was born to a noble family in England, and um, he convinced them to let him study at a Benedictine monastery, and he ended up taking to that lifestyle. He was ordained at 30 as a priest. And he taught for a while, but when he was given the opportunity to move up, he left instead to go do missionary work. And so he was so successful in that missionary work to these uh, seemingly violent and sometimes volatile Germanic tribes that he was named by Pope Gregory as a missionary bishop to Germania. And so um, he would go on these missionary journeys trying to convert little groups in secret. And on his last trip, he was supposed to secretly meet with the converts, but instead he was met by robbers. Um, and he had some books with him at the time, and one of those books was found pierced. And witnesses recounted that he had held up the gospel at his death for spiritual protection and was pierced through it with a sword uh, or an axe, depending on the account. And so he's often depicted holding a sword with a Bible on it. And so if you've ever seen that image, that is Boniface. Um, but I, I heard this story um, that Boniface, um, he had other holy family members who remained in Britain. And so his sister apparently married this man named Richard, um, who was an underking of the Saxons. I don't know what that means. Maybe the, the equivalent of like a duke or something or a prince. Um, but Richard, that um, his Boniface's brother-in-law, had three saintly children. I don't think they're actually saints, but it says saintly children, who all became religious. Their names were Willibald, Winibald, and Walburga if you're looking for baby names out there, and all three of them joined Boniface, their uncle, 
in the evangelization of the Germans. And so that zeal that they had as part of their family uh, caused them to dedicate themselves totally to the service of Christ and his church, um, ministering from England on missionary journeys to uh, the area of modern-day Germany. And so there, that story really inspired me in how I want to be in my family and how I hope that um, the journey that I have of faith, the journey that I desire others know Jesus would be something that my family sees and desires to participate in for their own sake and for the sake of their friends and all those they encounter. A quote from St. Boniface that I think um, is really great for these times and for this charge is, The church is like a great ship being pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on course. And so, if we remain faithful, God will remain faithful ever still and will surprise us beyond all measure in the ways that he works, even in our family. And so, even though Christ had difficulties in his own family, it says that a prophet is not without honor except in his native place because he was thrown out of, of Nazareth. The people knew him too well there, uh, or so they thought. Um, that they rejected his teaching. And so sometimes that will happen to us, uh, but we cannot abandon ship. We must keep her on course. Continue to try and be faithful to those that God has placed us with. Continue to try and bring Jesus into whatever we call family and be faithful as best we can. And so I pray for you. I ask you to pray for me and this podcast. Pray for Jenna. Pray for um, just all that we are hoping to do um, and continue to serve, having the ability to continue to serve in this uh, podcast and this apostolate. And we hope it continues to bless you. As I always say, the highest compliment you can pay is to share this episode and this podcast with other people on social media. Uh, and if you want to support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month and become a patron, go to our website, manafoodforthought.com, and do that. You can contact us there, see our weekly blog. Um, other, otherwise, the best way to see what we're doing and stay in contact with us is our Instagram, at manafoodforthought, all spelled out. That is all we have. I hope you have a faithful, blessed, wonderful week with your family. Uh, Spend some time with them, having meaningful conversations. Know that we are praying for you. And until next time, we will see you and your family in the Eucharist. Bye.